Here is your Catholic trivia question for this rainy Sunday. What is God's first language? What is God's first language? Maybe your reaction is the language of God must be Greek and Hebrew because that's what the Word of God, the Scriptures, were written in, their original language. Or maybe you would say the language of God must be Latin, for that's how the church worshipped for many, many centuries, and in fact, still to this day, the liturgical books of the church are first composed in Latin and then translated into all the other languages of the world. Or maybe you'd say, I've got the trump card. God is all-knowing, omniscient, so... Every language is God's first language because he knows them all. All of which is true. But it seems to me that the first language of God is none of these. Instead, I'll share with you a quote from St. John of the Cross, great Carmelite doctor of the church and the master of the spiritual life, who writes, The Father spoke one word, which was his Son. And this word he speaks always in eternal silence. Silence, really, is the first language of God. Just as you and I speak to one another, we communicate in English. God speaks, first of all, in silence. St. John of the Cross writes elsewhere, Our greatest need is to be quiet before this great God silent in spirit and with the tongue, his language, the language he hears, is nothing but silent love. Why all this talk about silence when we hear this gospel about Zacchaeus? Well, here's why. If we ponder this episode in the gospel, We recognize a certain kind of pattern that invites us to discern something in our own lives. Zacchaeus has this desire to meet the Lord. And he hears that Jesus is coming through his town of Jericho. But the trouble is, the crowds stand between him and Christ. And he's short in stature. So he has to climb up into that sycamore tree above the crowd so that he can encounter the Lord. And so it is in our own lives. Each of us could think about our lives and ask, what tends to be a crowd between me and the Lord? Or what tends to crowd Christ out of my life that I have to somehow rise above in order to meet the Lord? And there are many different ways that we might answer that reflection. But I think one very primary crowd that marks our time, perhaps more than any other before, and a crowd that we all really, I think, are coming up against in our lives, is the crowd of noise. There is seemingly constant noise in our lives. We tend to fill every moment with the radio or TV or a podcast, or YouTube, or Spotify, or Netflix, or Hulu, or video games, on and on and on we could go. And we have very little silence in our lives. And that's 
a pretty serious problem if God's first language, the way he prefers to speak to us, is in silence. And so the question is, how do we rise above this crowd of noise? It's by fostering silence in our lives. Silence is something like that sycamore tree that raises us up above the crowd of noise so that we can encounter Christ. And without silence, even the good things that we do end up being of little value. Even our acts of charity and mercy, the ways maybe that we witness to the joy of the gospel, all of this receives ultimately its deep power and its effectiveness only if we have a deep communion with the Lord. And that can only come from communing with him in silence. I want to share with you a little anecdote that comes from this amazing book by Cardinal Sarah. He's a cardinal from Western Africa. His book is called The Power of Silence Against the Dictatorship of Noise. I love that title. This kind of call to battle, if you will, against noise in our lives. And he shares an anecdote from the life of a young priest who had this deep desire to meet Mother Teresa. And so he called the missionaries of charity and told them that he was going to come because he wanted to meet Mother Teresa. They said, well, that's impossible. There's no way you'll be able to meet her. But he went anyway, rang their doorbell, and just stood there and insisted that he wasn't leaving until he got to meet Mother Teresa. So eventually the sisters relented and Mother Teresa appeared there in the room where he was waiting. And I'll just read for you this account that this young priest gives of his encounter with Mother Teresa. This is back in the late 1960s. He says, Mother had me sit down in a little room near the chapel. I had recovered a bit from the surprise of her actually coming into the room and managed to say, Mother, I'm a very young priest. I'm taking my first steps. I came to ask you to accompany me with your prayers. Mother looked tenderly and kindly at me, and smiling, she replied, I always pray for priests. I will pray for you also. Then she gave me a miraculous medal, put it in my hand, and asked me, how much time do you pray each day? I was astonished and a little embarrassed. Then gathering my thoughts, I replied, Mother, I celebrate Holy Mass each day. I pray the breviary each day. I pray the rosary each day, very gladly, because I learned it from my mother. Mother Teresa, with her rough hands, clasped the rosary that she always had with her. Then she fixed on me her eyes, which were filled with light and love, and said, That is not enough, my son. That is not enough, because love cannot be reduced to the indispensable minimum. Love demands the maximum. He says, I did not understand Mother Teresa's words right away. And as though to justify myself, I replied, Mother, I expected you instead to ask this question. What acts of charity do you do? Mother Teresa's face became very serious again. And she said in a stern tone of voice, Do you think that I could practice charity if I did not ask Jesus every day to fill my heart with his love? Do you think that I could go through the streets looking for the poor if Jesus did not communicate the fire of his charity to my heart? 
I then felt very small. I looked at Mother Teresa with profound admiration and the sincere desire to enter into the mystery of her soul, which was so filled with the presence of God. Enunciating each word, she added, read the gospel attentively, and you will see that Jesus sacrificed even charity for prayer. And do you know why? To teach us that without God, we are too poor to help the poor. You see, this was the great secret and still is the secret of Mother Teresa and her sisters. Their heroic acts of love for the poor flow out of this profound encounter with the Lord. It's Him in them loving the poor whom they serve. And that only happens as the fruit of this generous time in silence with the Lord that the missionaries of charity spend every day in their chapel. How much silence is in our lives? And how can we find more? I'd like to offer two very practical suggestions for ways to to live this invitation to silent communion with the Lord. The first is through what we might call digital fasting. Consider ways in your life that you can cut out some of that noise each day. Just simple things. Maybe it's I'm going to drive today in silence, or I'm not going to listen to this podcast while I'm getting ready in the morning, or the TV is not going to be on this evening. Just simple ways to kind of give up, if you will, some of that noise in order to find silence. And the second practical suggestion I have is to make time, set aside time often, to come here where we have a place that we have carved out on our parish campus as a kind of sanctuary of silence. I mean the Adoration Chapel. Anytime, day or night, you can come to the chapel and you can step out of that busyness and noisy world in which we live and meet the Lord who speaks in silence, who abides there in the Holy Eucharist, not crying out or booming, but abiding in silent love. Rising above the crowd by climbing the sycamore tree of silence is not easy. It it requires a certain self-denial, a certain amount of sacrifice. But it's worth it. The fruits of it are profoundly beautiful. This is how Cardinal Sarah describes what we will experience. He writes, In divine silence there are no words but tears. Because man is touched at the deepest part of his soul, in the region of his being where God is seated. His silence is an immensity that demands an initially painful asceticism, involving a paschal aspect, an aspect of Good Friday. It causes tears to run down our faces. But very quickly, we experience the fact that the simplicity of asceticism generates Purity, delight, and the joy of contemplation. If we want purity, delight, and the joy of contemplation, if we want to learn how to rise above the crowd of noise in our life, to climb that sycamore tree of silence, then we all must ask ourselves, 
the simple question, how fluent am I in God's language, the language of silence? St. Patrick, pray for us.